0: Right after my spiritual awakening in 2013, I spent four years in solitude, completely alone, immersed in nature and meditating for hours every day. And for the most part, my mind felt calm and Zen. I felt invincible. I was happy. I felt like nothing would ever disturb me again. I felt like those monks that everybody talks about that just sit there all day long and look so damn peaceful. The ones that look like they are literally floating through space floating monks. But then I met a girl and she became my girlfriend. She lived in the middle of a city and had a four year old son. So off I went moving from a peaceful remote village in the north of Portugal, all the way to the capital city of Portugal, Lisbon. And now I was living with my girlfriend, her son, and a hyperactive dog in the middle of a bustling city. Suddenly. My brain wasn't so Zen anymore. With all the stuff going on, I had less time for meditation and to do the things that monks do that keep their brains quiet. My mind was getting louder and louder, and I was losing that peaceful monk brain that I had cultivated with the years of solitude. Wait, don't leave, floating monk! Don't leave! Initially, I tried to do what I had done before. When I lived alone, I sat in meditation, but I couldn't do it for as long because of all the responsibilities and activities. I now had, I used to meditate sometimes for hours in a day, but now I'd sit in meditation for five minutes and suddenly my stepson would come knocking on the door or my crazy dog would want to sit on my lap. So I quickly realized that the things I used to do when I lived in solitude, weren't going to work anymore. But was I really supposed to accept that my monk brain was just going to be lost? forever, or was there a way that I could have a little bit of both worlds, a busy life, but mental stillness also to answer this question, I first had to understand what was happening on a biological level and a spiritual level. The chatter and endless thoughts that we all have in our brains are coming from what's known as the default mode network. This network is composed of different areas of your brain that all seem to be active. When we're not focusing on a specific task, it's what Chinese Buddhists call the monkey mind and what Western scientists call the wandering mind. It's the ability of your brain to tune out everyday life and just wander in thoughts that have nothing to do with the present moment or with a task that's right in front of you. Matthew Killingsworth and Daniel Gilbert have discovered that almost 50% of our thoughts every day are not related to anything we're doing in the present moment. And get this, the more that our minds wander, the more unhappy we are. And here's the million dollar nugget meditation decreases activity in the default mode network. This is why all those monks look happy and like they're floating. The hours of meditation decrease the activity of the default mode network, and so they are more focused and present. Their minds aren't wandering into constant negative loops or ruminations. They're focused, they're present, and their minds are very clear on a spiritual level. When your mind is too active, a couple of problems come up. The first one is energy polarizes, All right? So your quantum, your aura, your energy field, the part of you that surrounds your body, that's that you can't see that quantum part of you, it has many layers. And when your mind is too active, one of the layers that gets activated most in your aura is what's known as the mental layer. It's one of many layers of your aura, and it's associated with thought. The more that your mind is thinking, the more energy polarizes in the mental uh, layer of your aura. And it also polarizes up in the head. And so this excessive polarization of energy creates more thoughts. And it's like this toxic, uh, loop of thought feeding energy, energy feeding thought. And a lot of times this is hard to break out of this energy polarization can actually get so bad that people, when they have their minds overactive, it's very frequent for them to actually get headaches. The second problem that comes up when we have an overactive mind is disconnection. When your mind and when the mental layer of your aura is overactive, it ends up disconnecting you from the more subtle parts of you, from your intuition, from guidance. All of that mental chatter ends up drowning out the subtle guidance from our intuition and spirit. So we stop being able to communicate with our guides, we stop being able to receive all this guidance, we even stop being able to have access to our own inner knowing and our own sensations inner sensations that normally would guide us. We stop having access to that because the mind is just in this loop that never stops. And I was feeling these two problems in my life. When I moved in with my girlfriend at the time, not only what was I having a lot of polarization in the energy and my mind just didn't shut up, but I was also having a lot of difficulty connecting to my guidance and connecting to my intuition and receiving subtle messages. Like I did when I was alone, living alone in a forest. As the months progressed, there were so many times when I longed to to be back in the forest, to be back in my solitary life, meditating for hours a day. All of this increased mental chatter and all of this overthinking was causing severe issues. It was causing anxiety, restlessness, brain fog, exhaustion. I didn't want to live like that anymore. I wanted a little bit of both worlds. I wanted to be happy in my new crazy family and my bustling city, but I also wanted to have the mental quiet and be connected to my spiritual guidance so that I would receive messages and have access to my own intuition. And that's when it came to me. I'd have to throw the floating monk in the garbage. Rest in peace. I realized I had this totally unrealistic expectation on what it felt to live a life that was balanced and had a quiet mind. Sure. Monks have these amazing brains that don't wander a lot and that stay super focused and calm and quiet. And this is amazing, but they also have very unconventional lives. They usually live in monasteries or ashrams. A lot of times they live in silence. They live away from bustling cities. They meditate for hours at a time. And so I was setting myself up for failure by having this really unrealistic expectation of holding the ideal that a quiet mind can only mean a monk mind. And I know exactly how it feels to live this kind of solitary monastic life because I had spent four years doing that. So I know what it felt like in my brain. My brain felt amazing, but now I was in a bustling city and I had a new life and I had different obligations and different things that I had to do, and so I didn't want to hold on to this monk image in my, in my brain, I didn't want to hold on to that unrealistic expectation because it was really creating a lot of pressure in my life. I was starting to feel like a failure or that I was doing something wrong because that was the image that I was subconsciously holding to. to what it meant to have a quiet mind. It was quiet mind equals, equals monk brain. And I had to let go of that expectation so that my system would calm down and I could learn and figure out what felt right for me and what felt like balance for me now that I was in this new life in the middle of a busy city. So I started to experiment with new spiritual and mindfulness tools that would help quiet my mind down. And I had a commitment to myself. I was only going to do it. I was going to take it one step at a time without any extreme or excesses. I was gonna take it one step at a time, one practice at a time. And my hope was that together, all those small steps and those small practices would all add up to hopefully shut my mind up. Maybe just a little bit. The first hack I tried was simply to go for walks every day. So I was living in the middle of a city, but I made a point to just walk out of my house and just go for a walk. I would look for parks or trees, or, uh, you know, just a bench by a a park, or I would even look for trees at a local park and I just go sit by the trees and relax. Maybe there was a pond and I'd watch the ducks floating, or I would just try and be outdoors every day. And I would try to connect with something related to nature, even though I was living in the middle of a city, there's always parks, there's always trees. There was always something that I could find related to the outdoors that really helped me. And then I would just sit, relax, maybe do a little bit of meditation, maybe connect to the trees or connect to the ducks or connect to the birds, whatever I saw, um, coming from the animal or the plant kingdom that would really help to start tone down my energy and tone down the excessive mental, uh, overreaction and, and, um, ruminating thoughts. The second hack I used more uh, when I was asleep. Um, my mind tended to be active most when I was about to go to sleep, in the middle of the night, and sometimes right before I would wake up in the morning. Wake up, filthy. And so when my mind would wake up with incessant thoughts while I was trying to sleep, I would just gently say the word enough. Enough. And I repeated that word over and over again. This is what Buddhists do when they're chanting. They just repeat the same sound over and over again. And the repetition of that sound is what helps quiet the mind down because the repetition of that sound is forcing your brain to focus on that one sound or that one word. And so all the rest of the thoughts fall out. The third hack is really associated with the second one. When I was doing my enough uh, chanting, I noticed that when I paired it with deep breathing, my mind calmed down. My body calmed down a lot more quickly. And so what I would do is if my brain would make me up in the middle of the night or whatever, I would say the the mantra enough, or, or sometimes I would use a different mantra, like calm, whatever I was using, whatever mantra I was using, I would pair it with deep breathing. And as I did that deep breathing, my body would calm down and my mind would calm down a lot more quickly. The reason that deep breathing works is because it it's affecting what's known as the parasympathetic nervous system. And it's a part of your nervous system that is responsible for rest and relaxation. So the more deep breathing techniques you do, the more your mind comes down and the more your body comes down, the mind and the body go hand in hand. The more relaxed your body is, the more relaxed the mind is too. The last hack I used was meditation. Now it wasn't the same type of meditation that I used when I lived in a hermit life or when I was in solitude, it wasn't, I couldn't meditate for hours on end anymore. So meditation for me, I had to change the definition of what meditation meant to me. So sometimes I'd be able to meditate for five minutes, sometimes 10 minutes, but my meditation sessions were definitely shorter. But then I also started to meditate in other ways. Sometimes meditation for me meant just praying. So I would say mantras or I would pray. I would talk to God. I would say things like, dear God, help my mind become still, or I would do a quick session of chanting with the sound Om, These hacks together did help me quiet my mind quite a bit. And I also connected to my intuition and my spiritual guidance again. And these hacks also helped me stop feeling like a failure for no longer having the mind of a monk. But speaking of failure, if you are struggling with this right now, check out this video here where I talk about what the fear of failure really is and how you can overcome it.